On this episode of Star Wars Time Show, the dudes are altering their format for the Resistance Recap. They'll still call it the Resistance Recap, but they're not really going to be recapping anything. Instead, they'll still be talking Easter eggs from the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, while also highlighting some of their favorite parts and, if warranted, some of their least favorite parts. Cue the music. everybody, welcome back to a special edition of the Star Wars Time Show, and it's special because we're doing one of our recap slash it's not really a recap episodes again for Star Wars Resistance. In particular, we're tackling S2E4, Hunt on Celsor 3. Uh, so as you heard from the announcer, we're changing things up. Nick and I, we were kind of punting the football around a little, little bit last week after the cast going, you know, we... You, as in me, I, I put out the recap video on Monday for the show, and I do the Easter egg deal, and then we'd come back on Wednesday and essentially re-recap my recap of the show. So, knowing that the Mando is on the horizon, we're going to do something similar with that in terms of coverage, we kind of made the, the executive decision to just chill the fuck out on the full recaps. The recaps will be handled in the videos that go out uh, within 24 hours of a new episode airing, and then the podcast version will still highlight the Easter eggs because those are always fun to talk about. But instead of just sitting there and verbatim ripping off the plot, we're going to just be like, you know, I like that. I like that. I didn't like that. That was dumb. That was cool. Overall, it was okay or shitty or two thumbs up. Sound good, my friends? Excellent. All right, Nick. So we kept the Easter egg part. Not that we have a ton to talk about from this episode. I mean, this entire season so far has been rather devoid of Easter eggs, at least in comparison to the first half of season one. And, and some of that's because I'm not going to sit here and rehash shit that we've talked about before. Uh, but in general, even even the, this episode, it, the, the show's just kind of uh, fumbling around right now in the, in the early throes of this second season. But like yeah. I said, we got four Easter eggs to talk about. So let's one go of ahead them. And get- like you mentioned that we're stretching for Easter eggs. One of them's not even an Easter egg within the universe. We're, we're talking know. about a completely different universe. I here, know. So. I know. I, like I said, I, I got a little liberal this time. And, <laughs> and I really, I did it for the, the first episode. Cause I, no, yeah, the first one. Cause I was like, well, this ending scene feels like a, an, uh, an homage to aliens. The ending yeah, of aliens where Ripley has to flush it out of the, uh, the, the, the lock there. So, Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I, I, I'm telling you, dude, when I got through this episode, I was sitting here like, I don't think there's a one fucking Easter egg to, to really talk about, but I'll have to get a little creative loosey-goosey. So here we are. So I'm really the first one that it stands out. And I ran with it, even though I've, I've we've highlighted what the pirates do with their scavenging and repurposing of, uh, you know, Imperial Air and sometimes even Republic Era armor specifically from the bad guys, but we did get another pirate skiff this time, and instead of just having TIE fighter parts, it had TIE interceptor parts. Completely different ship, so it's a new Easter egg, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it does. It looks cool, and if you're if you're following along on the post, that's like our thumbnail image on the, uh, on the video that you can see. You can see, like, the half wings from the interceptor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the pirates... 
they should really just be like called pirates and scavengers because they are. They are the true definition of scavengers. And at this point, not so much pirates anymore. <laughs> like, uh, you know, their, their piracy kind of came to an end uh, near the beginning half of season one. And now they're kind of, you know, they're, they're more of scavengers and they're, they're, you know, living with the people of the Colossus. Well, hell yeah. In this, yeah. in this episode, they turn themselves into hunters just because, you know, <laughs> yeah. Kragen's trying to undermine the power structure on the Colossus with Doza and, you know, people are, they basically don't have any food and drink. So yeah. I mean, this whole episode was about one big hunt and Kragen kind of took the lead on that and, and learned once again that even though Kaz might be stupid, you should sometimes listen to his advice. But that's that's why we love our buddy Kaz. So oh, yeah. I, I did – there was a part of me that wanted to run a little bit deeper with this uh, specific egg where I'd be like, you know, maybe that's Von Reg's ship, some of the wings left over. Because remember, he did get uh, blown up, I believe, at the end of season one. But I was like, yeah, there's no way they, they blew him up and then found the debris already and fashioned another skiff. But I, I was – I was thinking about that angle just to try to get any sort of juice out of this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's red. We haven't seen any kind of red <laughs> wings before. So, I mean, I feel like that's a good logical leap to take. Yeah, right. It's not <laughs> like they had red paint in the Star Wars galaxy. So, it's not like the pirates could have painted it. It had no, to have been definitely. made red. So, definitely. yeah, there you go. <laughs> like I said, that, that's kind of like the what I wrestle with in my head sometimes when I'm looking for eggs and references. Like, is this so fucking far out that they're going to laugh at me? Probably. So I'll just run with the tie interceptor part. Yeah. All right. Next one here. And Tora's room has always been ripe for Easter eggs. And honestly, I'm pretty sure I mentioned at least two of these last year. I couldn't find it in the archives. I honestly did go and look and try to, to find if we've done these. But we're in Tora's room. I, mean, I was kind of hoping her and Kaz were going to go in there and get a little freaky with each other. But <laughs> that didn't happen. They're just hashing out a plan. But again, we, we see, I mean, we know she's got a, a Phoenix Squadron poster. She's got a, a Max Rebo doll, an Ewok doll. And I'm pre- like I said, I'm pretty sure I mentioned these first two. But we also see she has a Bausch Bounty Hunter doll, yep. a Stormtrooper doll. Uh, but the new one, and it may be new just because I delete my brain every weekend, she had a T-16 Skyhopper model. Got it straight from Luke Skywalker. Probably. I mean, the Lars homestead was abandoned, it so was. you never know. I mean, they probably had like a, a fire sale there, you know. Oh, yeah. We know that. An that auction. The, the Jawas ran it for everybody. Yeah, but I mean, that, again, like you mentioned, Tora has always been a huge fan of the Age of Rebellion. I'm sure that's not what they call it in the Star Wars universe, but hey, maybe it is. Um, her, you know, her father growing up in that era being an Imperial... Um, for a long time and then switching sides. So she definitely has a lot of memorabilia stuff that she's collected over the years and probably gifted to her by her family. Um, so these are always fun to see. I mean, the Bausch Bounty Hunter one in particular is really cool. The T-16, you can just think back to A New Hope. You see Luke sitting in the little area where he's giving C-3PO the oil bath and he's just kind of Waving that thing around the air. He's literally flying it around like yeah. he's playing with a toy. I mean, it's the same thing myself and all these other toy photographers do well into our later years. I mean, at least Luke was 18. He's still sitting there going like, Vroom, vroom, I'm going to be a pilot. Vroom. Yeah, I think once yeah. Luke picked up the lightsaber, he he his uh, 
affinity for that, that, those dreams went away. Gotcha. That's when his balls dropped and he got some pubes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did instant puberty by touching a lightsaber, even though he's like staring into the end of it. I mean, that's got to be a pretty quick turnaround on Luke's side, though. Like, you figure there's a, what, a month probably less time between when he's playing with that fucking t16 model to when he blows up the death star in an x-wing that's pretty oh, good I, I don't even think it's that i mean yeah, yeah we we never know i mean it, in star wars time it felt like all that happened in the span of maybe two days <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean uh maybe three days but yeah i mean he he's a he's a quick learner that's kind of like how both he and ray went to some random shitty weather jedi hole and within a day or two came out almost Jedi Knights. Yeah, exactly. You know, people you know? people with strong force affinities like that, <laughs> yeah. they don't need much time. They're essentially in the Matrix. You know, they, yeah. they can just get shit downloaded to them. You know, yeah. I know Kung Fu. Exactly. Like, they just plug it in. Yeah, they, I know the, the, the Jedi force. Master hits the upload button, and then boom, they're ready yeah. to go. The eyes start going back and forward. It's like, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, hey, they, they, these Force people can learn quick. So, All yeah, right. Tor is always good for pure Easter eggs, and, and she didn't disappoint this time around. Next one here, and, and feel free to roll your eyes, my friends, because this one <laughs> is an eye roller. But I, I don't know how I've never not noticed this before, or noticed this before. That didn't make any sense. But the Fireball's cockpit door is an X-Wing cockpit door. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Yeah, and honestly, if you look at the fireball, even just on the graphic in this video, Nick, from that perspective, this this top down, you could argue it may have been fashioned out of an, an X-Wing fuselage, at least. I was going to say that I feel like that, you know, kind of like the pirate ships where they're cobbled together from specific pieces, I do feel like the fireball was probably put together from a couple of different ships... Um, and now we see, yeah, the fuselage definitely has that X-Wing flair to it. Right. And again, it was built as a racer, so you're not, it's not going to be built as a war machine. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's why it only has the two the two wings. And it looks like its main engine is in the back instead of on the S-foils. Yeah, exactly. So, and the fuselage for a, for an X-Wing is very sleek, too. It's very aerodynamic, so it would make a really good part for a racing vessel for you know a racing starship so yeah i mean the the rebellion era vehicles at least uh, that one and the a-wing they they were kind of built for speed so you could argue the y-wing now the b-wing's getting kind of stupid yeah uh, I, I don't think that would uh, and not that there's any air in space i mean we're just being stupid here it's hey again we're talking about fake sci-fi stuff so why not let's just all be silly uh, but if you think about the shit the Empire put out. I mean, none of that stuff should have been aerodynamic. I mean, look at the fucking TIE no. Fighters. The TIE Fighter <laughs> is like the least aerodynamic It's a, it's a ball <laughs> with two flat sides on it. I yeah. mean, the, how, how does that maintain lift? <laughs> it makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Like, the design, as much as their industrial design on the interior of their starships looks fantastic, their design when it comes to their, like, their fighter fighters and fighter creation is terrible like yeah i like the way they they look cool as fuck they just practically they make no sense no yeah i mean star destroyers make sense like they look like ships you can look at a star destroyer and be like okay pizza slice yeah 
But if you look at like an interceptor, if you look at a tie, just like a regular tie fighter, the tie bombers, the tie bombers have two motherfucking balls right next to each other and then the wings. So, oh uh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they have always had that, you know, a little bit of a weird design concept to hey, them. They, they go for fashion over function when yeah. it comes to the bad guys of Star Wars. There's no doubt about that. I mean, even, even Kylo Ren's command shuttle is kind of fucking stupid. Yeah, I know, right? If you like, think about it, I mean, it's it's like a big V. Yeah, That's, the wings don't even go flat. Again, it's like just sitting there, just kind of on an angle. Yeah, it's, it's some weird design aesthetic. I, I, when we're, since we're on this this ship fetish thing here, I do think the Imperial shuttles are, were sexy ass ships that probably could fly. Yeah, so the shuttle Tidarium. Like, sh- yeah, like shuttle Tidarium. Yeah, yeah, like I we mean, saw those, in, uh, all that. Vader yeah. shuttle, Palp shuttle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all, all those were cool looking. I ones. do, yeah. And like you can see where the First Order tried to model like the lander after that, but it just like it missed. Like it didn't have the. Yeah, they're like, fuck concept. it. The wings don't have to go all the way down, and we don't need the dorsal fin. Yeah, we don't it. need the fin up top. The wings, they'll do whatever we need them to do. It's fine. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, Imperial landers, proper Imperial landers look really cool. I mean, they, they actually, they had a similar design to the T-16, right? Like, if you look at the T-16. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're 100%. I mean, I, hell, I'm sure there's a story somewhere. You could call up your buddy Phil. I mean, there's a good chance the Imperial shuttles came out of that design. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'm sure Ralph had something to do with the T-16, at least. Yeah, Phil Shasta, I would imagine. if you're listening. Let us know. I mean. Yeah, of course. You're, of course he's listening. I mean, George is listening right now. I know. Don't you people understand? <laughs> we are the source of truth for Star Wars. Right. So, right. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I mean, the, those, I feel like after a, at a certain point, like, and it's just the same way with like modern cars and stuff. Like you find a design that works well, that's aerodynamic, and then everybody kind of copies it. Like everybody has their own version of it. Like if you look at Camaros and Mustangs and Challengers and Chargers, they all basically look the same. Like all American muscle cars now look very, very similar, if not the same. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like rounded rectangles with beefier tires and, and a massive muscle engine in it. Yeah, exactly. And like that's probably the same thing that happens with ship design in Star Wars. Like somebody fucking hits the jackpot, like, all right. Um, for example, like the, the, the Mon Calamari cruisers look very similar to the, um, old school CIS cruisers. So they're like, all right, we're just going to copy those. When it comes to the, uh, Imperial side of things, they're like star destroyers are awesome. The first order is like, we're just basically copying them. We're just, well, I mean, dude, your point goes all the way back to the clone wars. The Republic cruisers morphed into the Imperial star destroyers that then became the first order star destroyers. Very little design change. They they basically, they find something that works and then they just say, we're not changing it because it's not worth the trouble. Yeah. The the Mon Calamari mothership the cruiser it's like a big turd almost you know yeah. it's like a lumpy turd yeah i mean it's, e- it's even the rebel transports look organic right I think back to empire strikes back when they're evacuating hot yeah they're, they they yeah. never looked real to me they looked like they looked almost living right i mean almost like the their halls were made out of the snow and i'm just going back to when i was a kid and you know when we were kids were stupid yeah but I, i'm reminding myself right now i'm pretty sure my favorite aspect of Star Wars 
and may it might still be that way now was the space stuff the ships the space battles this that and the other thing i think it's because when when we were kids like especially you being older than me like you didn't get to see a lot of stuff like that in movies like star wars was the first movie to really do space combat space representation in a way that didn't seem like hokey or like shit wasn't hanging off the strings and stuff like they they took it george and that's why star wars became what it is because george had a vision for like i want to make space seem realistic and he did and like he executed it in a way where like now when designers like real spaceship designers are building things to go into space like they they can like reference like oh you know i wonder if this design from these you know sci-fi movies back in the day can actually work and like right you know it's all kind of coming back to me as i'm sitting here and we're talking about it i'm like i'm pretty sure it was the ships that is, is what made me who I am today in terms of my Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah, dude, the first time you see that Star Wars, I mean, the very opening yeah. of, of A New Hope. It's like, holy shit. I mean, he did, with that one shot, that might be George's greatest shot of his entire career, honestly, because with that one shot, he he not only shows the the basics of the disparity of power between the Rebellion and the Empire, but he also does something that's never been done in cinema history before, which is a realistic representation of space and, right. and ships in space. So, I well, mean, you talk to anyone that was around when that movie came out, and you know, no one knew what to expect. Oh, this could be stupid. It's going to be out of theaters in a day. Anyone that saw that for the first time, what do they usually tell you? The first thing where they're like, "Holy shit! I know this is going to be special." It's that shot. It's when this move, when a new hope, or back in the day when Star Wars opened, and you got a ship flies by, and then some laser bolts come overhead, and then you got this other massive thing just coming, and it felt like it's it was flying over the top of your head. People were like, "What in the fuck is this? I don't care. This is life." Yeah, exactly. And then here we go. Now, almost fifty years later. You still got people like you and me. I'm approaching my 40s, and I sit here two times a week and talk about Star Wars to another Star Wars fan. It's, it's the world we live in. It's beautiful, it's magical beautiful shit, time. man. <laughs> as much as everyone wants to hate Star Wars, just think about it, its shelf life and really what it's done and meant for you and your own. It's crazy. It's just fucking crazy. It's all about the spaceship. So anyways, that was a fun little... Star Wars time show tangent. We had one of those in a, in a while because Nick and I have kind of had our act together and had some action-packed shows, which, by the way, episode 78, got to check it out. It's another doozy, but it's full of all sorts of Mandalorian talk, the top five, Kenobi, this, that, and the other thing. All right, dude, so let's wrap the Easter egg discussion here with one that isn't even related to Star Wars, and that's the fact <laughs> that at the end of the episode, you know, everyone's kind of... They're they're feeling a little stir crazy. They're they're locked up in a in essentially a space station. They can't just go outside anymore to the market that the Colossus used to have when it was docked on uh, Castellan. So what Niku does, and you know he's such a thoughtful motherfucker. He throughout the episode essentially gathered up his belongings and traded them for parts 
to build what I'm calling a hollow deck like projector. So yes, my friends, we have a Star Trek reference <laughs> in Star Wars. And I, I was, Nick, I was sitting there, and maybe you can remember, but there's been nothing really in Star Wars where they replicate a an, an environment, environment, right? I yeah. mean, the, the closest I could think was, I think AOTC where Yoda's talking to the younglings and they throw down that marble and you get a, a map of the space, but that's still not even close to what Niku achieved. Oh, yeah, no. From what I can remember, I mean, this is even reaching back into the into the shows, into the, you know, the animated series. I don't think you've ever had a proper hollow deck projection. Like, yeah, you get people, you know, holding up these little hollow projectors where they can essentially FaceTime with each other. But you've never had like a full style deck like like Niku created for the Colossus. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the first time we've ever seen it. I think there may have been things like this mentioned in books, like in in novels. Okay, but yeah, it drove me nuts because I kept going like I know I should write this down. I just can't tie it back to Star Wars. I can tie it directly to Star Trek, but not the wars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the first time that we've seen it visually represented. Um, People who are really into EU, old EU or new EU, you could probably pull out a reference where something like this has been described, but this is definitely the first time we've seen one. All right, gotcha. So there you go, my friends. Those are your your four Easter eggs slash Star Wars, Star Trek references that we cooked up in Star Wars Resistance S2E4, Hunt on Celser 3. Now, like I said, this time we'd usually go into our full-on recap. That's no longer happening. So if you're here to hear the episode recap to you by yours and yours truly, you're in the wrong place. You need to go back to YouTube and check out the recap on our channel there. But what we are going to do, I'm just going to kind of go through and talk about some of the things I liked, and they will be in a somewhat chronological order. So if you did watch the episode, these moments should stand out. Uh, the, the general gist of the episode, my friends, was that the Colossus is, has run out of food and drink, and antsy, and everyone's essentially telling Doza, you need to figure something out or we're out of here. Uh, so the plan essentially turns into... They're going to go hunt that big-ass manta whale shark from the last episode and eat it. All right, so there's your mini <laughs> recap. So anyways, Nick, the first thing I kind of liked, and Niku's always good for likable moments in every ep- episode, but right there at the beginning, you know, Aunt Z threatens to walk out and essentially starts the mutiny. She's like, all right, let's go. I'm out of here. And Kaz is like, no, we can figure this out, right, right? And, and then he sees Niku, his best friend, walking by him, and Niku's like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna leave too. And Kaz yeah. is just like, "What the fuck, Niku?" I mean, it was so so vintage, I, Niku. Yeah, it's it's one of those moments where I'm not sure if Niku really understood what he was saying or doing or anything. He just saw like a bunch of people fucking walking one way. He's like, "I'm going to." Right. Going. Well, it's just it was like the last episode with the pirates where they get that they get on this ship or two episodes ago, and there's they have a mission. You need to get coaxium. But as soon as they get there and he sees the pirates stealing shit, he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it too. I mean, yeah, he's, he's like a little, yanking. he's like a two-year-old. You know, yeah. he'll just go with the action and do whatever those around him are doing. So he's always good for a little bit of fun, a smile. And he, he's got another moment here of mine too. Um, another one, I, I love how Tora is essentially becoming the the hero. I mean, she has become Kaz's partner in crime right yeah i mean they're 
it seems that they're going to get paired up on pretty much any major mission from here on out. And when we talk about next week's episode, again, it looks like they're going to get paired up on a dangerous mission. But, I, you know, I just, Tora is a great foil to Kaz because Kaz still is kind of this, I mean, his heart's in the right place, his mind's always in the right place. But his brain has problems figuring out how to do what needs to be done. Yeah, and Tora's kind of had the guidance of her father for her whole life. She's always been more of a tactical mind when compared to to Kaz. So having her there at his side saying like, hey, you know, I like your enthusiasm, but let me kind of take the lead here. And that way we can kind of get shit done instead of just fumbling around and hoping stuff works out like it used to for you all the time in season one. Uh, let's, let's actually kind of put a little, she just, she uh, kind of balances Kaz's klutziness. Cause in the end, it's not like Kaz is stupid. Yeah. It's not like he's scared. I mean, he's very brave yeah. and for, Woody, for you know, when it when he kind of saves the day, he does have some sort of smarts, uh, gumption. I don't know what you want to call it, but he's not an idiot. He's just he is a walking disaster. Like it's, he's just a physical klutz. It's like he, he thinks of something. This is kind of the way that I think of Kaz. Like he thinks of an idea, and when you hear it as a as a listener, you're like, that could work. It's definitely not the best way to do it, but it could work. As and long then, as Kaz has help, right? Yeah, as you're like, like, there's as no long, way. Like, it's like you need a lot of shit to go right for it to work. And then as you watch the episode, you're like, everything just kind of fall, like shit falls in place. And you're like, man, that definitely wasn't the best way to get this done. But like, they got it done. And like, that's kind of how Kaz works. Like he he has an idea, and he knows that there is a way that that his idea can work. And he is going to do everything that he can to make sure that it's successful. And like you said, he's he's brave as fuck because he never turns away from anything. Like you don't see him running away from conflict or yeah, from, of course he's he's always the first one to volunteer to get in the thick of shit, right? I mean, he he's always like, all right, I'll do it. Oh, they're talking. Oh, this mission's gonna be terrible. You may die. You're gonna go hunt this big beast. He's like, all right, fuck it. Yeah. I think most of the time, the reason that his plans succeed is because he's got the balls to try it. Like nobody, like anybody else, any other logical person would be like, I don't know, dude, let's give it 10 more minutes and try to think of a better plan. Kaz is like, fuck it. No, we go now. This is the plan. It's almost like he has no fear, but to his own detriment. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, people like Tora almost have to, they, they temper his eagerness sometimes and, and, and give him a little clarity and, and potentially a better way to attack. So yeah. I, I just, I, I'm becoming a big fan of Tora. She's clearly been bumped up to the big leagues to fill in for Tam this season. Uh, and I'm a fan. Uh, plus, you know me, I'm kind of weird, like, uh, like <laughs> cartoons and stuff. I think she's good looking. There you go. Uh, another moment I kind of like, and this was just vintage pirates, but uh, so essentially the, the pirates go out and they fail trying to capture this beast, which we learned is now it's called the Jakusk. Yep. Uh, and they actually lose two of their members. They, they crash and the pirates are just like, fuck it. We're out of here. Uh, Kaz and Tora have to return because they still need the meat. So they, they have a better plan. Now they're coming with a cannon. So anyways, they land on this planet, Celsar three, which is the one from last week, the ice planet. And they're sitting there, and, you know, Buggles stowed aboard, and he's running away. So they're not really paying attention. And lo and behold, what do you see on the distance? You got the two pirates running for their lives, 
And rather than stopping to help Kaz and Tora take down the Jakus, they run right past them, jump into their ships, as in Kaz and Tora's ships, and take the fuck off. Yeah. I was like, yes, that is that is just perfect pirate behavior right there. Yeah, that is, that's good character <laughs> awareness by the writers. And it's it's a perfect situation to show, like, yeah, these people may be, like, these pirates may be living on the Colossus with everybody else, but they're still fucking pirates. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. like they don't give a fuck It, it was, about it was just people. funny. <laughs> like, and then Sonara makes them apologize at the end of the episode, kind of like a mom chastising two kids. But I, I don't know, I, it was just a, a funny scene. I mean, they didn't even pause to try and help Tor and Kaz. They're just like, feats don't fail me now. And just were like, <laughs> see ya. So I, I liked when they jacked the ship. And then another moment, Kaz, 100%, when he, he takes down the Jakusk, as we knew he would. I mean, he basically bumbled his way through that, as Kaz would. But he does take down the beast. And at the end, he goes to Tora. Well, I guess the Jakusk got Jakooked. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking <laughs> such a Kaz line, you know? And even Tora looked at him like, seriously, dude, you're such a loser. Yeah, I mean, that is quintessential Kaz. Like, he can't help himself sometimes. <laughs> like, he's just like... And he, he does like this, that, you know, like a little, you know, where, yeah. he, where he pumps his fist, like, yeah, I'm pretty slick, aren't I? <laughs> Mr. Comedian, sign him up at the Funny Bone on Seltzer 3. Um, and then the last top moment I had was, it was kind of a genuine sweet moment. And then we, we talked about in the Easter egg, it's when we learned at the end that Niku really wasn't leaving or packing up. He was gathering his belongings to sell for parts to build the holodeck projector. So everyone on the Colossus could sort of feel like they're back at home. Yeah. That was, I was uh, like, you know, that is Niku. He might be a knucklehead, but he's, his heart's always in the right place. Yeah. That's a fantastic moment, and I mean, I, I really do hope that they that we get more shots of the hollow deck, and that it's something that they show off kind of every episode because that's not that's something that's never really discussed in Star Wars because we spend so little time on the ships. Like typically, like with Star Trek, you spend ninety percent of your time on the ship. Like a lot oh, yeah. of you know, if you're on you know aboard a Federation cruiser, like you're there on the ship most of the time. So there is a necessity for a hollow deck. Um, now on St in star Wars, your ba ships are like cars. Like you're just taking them from one location to another. Unless you're like, you know, you're like Han and Chewie were in TFA where you're like long haul truckers or you're fucking, you know, you're, you're scrappers living. Right. In your right. Ship. I mean, unless you were in one of the fleets as in the Imperial fleet or the rebel fleet, you very rarely were just hanging out in space. Yeah. So in Star now, Wars, at least the hero characters. Yeah. So with with the you know our heroes now and in, in Resistance stuck on these ships, it is cool to see that there is an effort that Niku put the effort forward to make something that kind of gets them out of that stir crazy feeling or tries to at least you know subside it a little bit. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I mean. Overall, for this episode, obviously, we didn't throw a lot of criticism at it when we were talking about it. But honestly, if I had to have, you know, a bone to pick with this particular episode, it's, it's mostly that with this, we know this is the last season of Resistance. We only got 22 episodes, maybe. Like, that, I, I'm pretty sure that we do, but I'm not 100% sure. 
And we just took an entire episode out of the last season of Resistance to not focus on the main storylines, not even the right. storylines between Tam and, and Kaz, to, to basically say, like, people are hungry and we got to feed them. Like, it seemed like an unnecessary deviation from the importance of what's going on in the galaxy, especially now that we know we're in TLJ time. Like, we have already seen that the the attack on the resistance base has gone down like we saw in the beginning of TLJ we know what's happening in the movie at this point like wh- i i'm just unsure why we had a full episode that deviated away from those plot lines so heavily yeah yeah no i mean i it's the lowest rated episode of the series for me i think i gave it like a 51 or 58 58 yep yeah, which is which is low for me. That's a fair. I mean, a, a five eight to fifty eight to me. That's basically a fail. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and it, I don't want to sound like I'm an angry Disney Star Wars fan because it, the episode, if you just t- took it as a self contained episode, wasn't bad. I mean, I like these characters enough and the world enough that I, I could get some enjoyment out of its twenty eight minutes of runtime or whatever. But as Nick said, we're talking about a, a, a series that is ending in probably 15 more episodes. So why are we doing a self-contained episode that ultimately all it showed us in the end is that Kaz can still get shit done? And yeah. we know this. We know that Kaz, with the help of his friends, can get shit done. And it, I don't feel like it progressed anything at all. No, I mean, at the very least in this episode, if you're not going to touch on the the overarching plot line of like the state of the resistance and 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 what can be done to like, you know, give us give us something with the first order. I yeah. mean, we didn't even get the first order plot where we were talking last week where it seems like this is going to be a a mirrored plot system this entire season. Well, it's not. Yeah, I no, mean, we didn't even get to see the first nothing, order. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing. So yeah, I mean. My hope now from from here forward is that we at least get the 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 Tam and Kaz storyline in every episode because that is a good way of keeping up with both sides of things. But then we also do kind of touch base on the entire resistance side of things. Like, you know, if we get a transmission from, you know, I, I'm really looking for the moment at the end of fucking TLJ where Leia sends out that that, you know, yeah. SOS. Right. They need to pick that up. Like that needs to be in this show. Um, I don't know if that's going to be towards the very end. And like you know, well, you. I mean, honestly, dude, it it should pretty much be the last scene. Yeah. So we need to see that, but we also need to see like you know some more you know building. Like what what else is happening in the in the galaxy? Like yes, I appreciate the fact that they are focusing on. The, the people that are in the Colossus, but I don't think we needed a full episode no, dedicated no, it to was, it. It was a waste of time. And, you know, we were talking off mic. You know, maybe the writers didn't know that the show was getting canned after two seasons. Who, who really knows? But it did feel like a wasted opportunity in a final season uh, where you probably should have lumped in the First Order thread. But as we're going to start doing in these little Star Wars Resistance podcast specials, we're going to start talking about the next episode. So that kind of leads us right into our preview of the next episode, which is titled The Engineer. 
This is going to be dropping this upcoming Sunday, so November 3rd, I believe around 6 o'clock east on Disney XD, and then later in the night on Disney Channel, then it should be on all the streamers after, uh, I don't know, 3 a.m. EST. Uh, so, Nick, it's called The Engineer, and in the clip, Niku fixes the Colossus's long-range scanner yep. and instantly gets a distress call. Unfortunately, it's not the distress call you were just talking about because that's kind of what I was thinking when I read the PR email. I was like, oh, shit, is this the one? Because yeah. I'm right with you on that. But it's not. It, it, it looks like it's coming from uh, – I got a brief write-up. It's a, a Nick 2 right? A Nikto engineer, which I believe is Niku's species. Yeah, same engineer, um, same species. So essentially, she sends out a distress call, and Kaz and I believe Tor are going to go rescue her. But it does look like we will be getting the first order back in this episode because we learn that the engineer was attacked by the first by the order. First order yeah. And one of the screenshots I got from the PR people literally shows Pyre looking out of the command deck of his Star Destroyer at the Colossus. There you go. Uh, okay. So it, 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 I feel like they may be finally catching up to each other again, but we should get something, maybe even just a segment from the First Order plot in The Engineer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this one seems like we're, we're moving back in the right direction. I like the, um, the commentary that was given by, by Doza and Yeager after receiving the the transmission, like their heads are in the right place because, you know, Kaz and Niku see this transmission and they're like, oh, we have to go help this person. The thing is, is like the transmission scrambled in terms of the way that it, you can see it. You can still hear everything. So they're like, hold on. We don't know if this is a setup. This could be a first order plot just to, to suck us in and then capture us. Like you guys need to, you know, tone it down a little bit because if we just run out there we could end up dead yeah totally. and, and then you know of course kaz and, and niku being the ever optimists are like look we need to see it or you know or it could be that this is real and there's somebody out there that needs help and they could die if we don't go um so i like having that that juxtaposition between um, the older fellas and, and, and Yeager and Doza and then having Kaz, the ever optimist. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, well, you, you saw what happened after this, though. I mean, he, he volunteers himself. And they're like, bring somebody who knows how to shoot. <laughs> yeah. They're basically uh, bring someone that, that's not an idiot. Yeah. So, you know yeah. I mean? I, that's not a clumsy dope. So I think it, you're it, dead on when you yeah, said Tor is going to go. I actually know who it's going to be okay. from the images. It, I, for some reason, I, I forgot. It's going to be Sonara. Oh, Sonara's gone. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are Kaz's women. Let, let's let's not lie. I mean, he's he bounces between Tora and Sonara. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he definitely had something for Sonara. I, I still am trying to ship him with Tora, though. I've been trying to ship him with Tora ever since I saw the fucking poster, and she was literally in the main group. Yeah. But then the whole first season, she basically was non-existent because she was an ace, and the aces really weren't the a focus aces. of season one. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, we really haven't seen a lot of Kaz and Sonara so far in season two. I mean, it's been kind of here and there, but definitely not to the level that it was in season one. Like you mentioned, like his new wing wing person, wing mate is is now Tora. So it's gonna be interesting to see how these two go out on a on a mission together and, and see what kind of bubbles up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you think this engineer will become a a new cast member, kinda like how Sonar and the Pirates eventually just became part of the cast since they're 
you know, stationed on the Colossus now, or do you think this is kind of a one-off deal? I mean, I, th- I almost look at, at this point, I look at the Colossus as like fucking Noah's Ark. Like they just take yeah, everybody. Pretty much. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, so right, she'll be sticking around. Right. Come on. Yeah, I think so. Cause her ship is clearly disabled or blown the fuck. Like, um, she needs somewhere to go. We know that the first order is hot on their trail. So there's for, right. I would imagine that she's at least going to have an arc on the Colossus Oh, me too. Itself. I mean, the I fact that it's, Titled the engineer, there's a good chance sh- her skill set may be in need by oh, the yeah. Colossus. So absolutely, uh, I'm with you. I mean, she, she'll definitely probably be background fodder uh, for the rest of the yeah. season. So uh, this episode's coming up, like I said, on November third. You know, we'll be watching, or I will be. Nick's gonna have to find his mega mega bootleg. Yeah, I gotta find my <laughs> my sources. Like, I gotta I gotta reorganize Eventually, I'm at the translate it to Braille form or something. Or, <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, yeah, because he's uh, kind of in between habitats at this point, and yeah, he's he's being held down by the man forcing him to have a, a certain cable plan that oddly does not cover Disney. So. It doesn't cover XD. I don't right. get it, dude. I don't because it worked before, and obviously for those of you watching or listening to this, you know I watched all the episodes of season one legitimately, and now for some reason Spectrum has decided that my cable right. plan does not include Disney XD for Let's just two. say this season <laughs> I could essentially cook up episodes just for Nick, and he he would probably wouldn't know if they were real or not. I could just be like, oh, yeah, and this one, Sonara started fucking Kaz, and then Kaz started banging Tora. It's like, damn, you yeah. really... Niku started, got hooked on death sticks. It was crazy. Doza's doing spice in the bathroom with Yeager. <laughs> He'd yeah, be like, holy man. shit, man. I got to get my Disney sub back yeah, up. No, but, yeah, What the hell's going on here? I got to catch Anyways, up. But, yeah. Hopefully he gets himself some Disney Plus. Because like I said earlier, oh. we'll, we'll be doing something similar for every episode of The Mandalorian. That, that's going to be, man, that is just a pace. I think it drops November 12th. And it'll be all over by uh, the end of December. So... Get your asses tuned in. I mean, it's that time of the show to say goodbye and, you know, head on over to StarWarsTime.net. Maybe you missed something today. Maybe you're not subscribed to the right podcast platform. You can do it all on StarWarsTime.net because there's always time for Star Wars Time. And as I mentioned earlier, if you do want a pure recap of this episode with a little bit of review thoughts, you can always get that on StarWarsTime.net or just through our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash StarWarsTimeShow. Hook it up. Once you get there, sub if you're awesome, like if you're even cooler, and then tell a friend, right? This is all about we got to grow the Star Wars time show community. It's time. There's a few members, and they're solid members. We got Star Wars Black Series 2019, Everything Kylo, Sir Dork, Figure Fucking Hurts. Let's go. Let's go. Operators of the Republic, let's do it. We need more. Get in on the fun. Seriously, I hate to beg, but... We do what we do because we love interacting with the rest of you. And the fact that we are getting interactions now just makes us even more pumped to keep doing this shit. And it is shit, but we appreciate you consuming our shit. Not literally. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. All right, my friends. You know. You know what time it is. It's, it's, it's time for the sign-off. If you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you. Oh, shit. <laughs>